Welcome to Going Pro with Kelly O. My name is Kelly Oaken and I am a professional golfer turned professional golf fan. On this podcast, we'll be exploring the careers of professional golfers who had the opportunity to compete on television, not just on tours, but on golf shows like The Big Break. Get the behind the scenes details and see how these shows have changed their careers and their lives. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Tessa Teachman. She is a proud alum of LSU and competed on the Symmetra and um, Ladies European Tour. Um, today we're going to discuss her TV debut on Big Break Myrtle Beach in 2014 and talk more about her golf career. Tessa, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks happy, for being here. Happy to be here. <laughs> Um, before we get started, Tess, I just wanted to let you know that when we went to some tournament in Orlando, I don't remember, it was a few years ago, and I made you watch all your big break episodes and tell me what was going on behind the scenes, that played a major role in inspiring this podcast. So thank you. Thank you for being awesome and excelling on TV. <laughs> Anytime, really. <laughs> yeah, and putting up with all my my questions. So Hopefully, we'll be able to give everyone else the same exciting details that you were able to give me. We'll try. We'll test my memory. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, right? 2020 yeah. doesn't count. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. We're just racing <laughs> this year anyways, so. True. So before Big Break happened and maybe during or after LSU, where were you playing? Um, what were you up to with your golf game? Yeah, so I've had a very fun, adventurous ride in the world of golf. I had a really good amateur career, earned a scholarship to play golf at LSU, graduated, turned pro, you know, played my first professional event was the U.S. Open. So, I mean, started pretty large and I don't really know where you go from there, but uh, I was actually at Q School for the first time and uh, it wasn't playing well. I was at stage one and I was pretty bummed out that, uh, you know, it didn't look like I was going to make it. And I had actually had a good friend on a previous uh, season of Big Break. And we had talked about it a bunch. And she really just encouraged me to sign up. I mean, honestly, there was a sign up online. You filled out an application and just hit submit. So I was like, what the heck? I'll sign up. And then I kind of forgot about it. That was in August of thirteen. And so I kind of forgot about it. And then it was probably maybe November. I was playing a Suncoast event at the time is what it was called. And they had um, on-site screenings. So they were kind of just doing an open call for for big break. And uh, I just went up to the table and just kind of started chatting with some of the people that were running it. And they actually remembered my application and wanted me to do an on-screen test. So it was a kind of an interesting experience. Uh, The producers do a really good job in casting. Um, They know kind of what they're looking for and how to tell a story, which is kind of cool. And uh, I guess I made it a few more rounds of, you know, interviews and they thought I had a story worth telling and it was worth giving me a, a chance. And uh, I think it was April of 14 that I uh, actually got a phone call. I was on the golf course and they had told me I had been selected uh, to participate and uh, couldn't tell me where or, you know, all the details, but contracts would be arriving soon for me to sign and uh, we'd be going in June. June come true. That's amazing. When did they finally tell you it was Myrtle Beach? 
so we actually signed all the contracts and I thought I had caught them because they had sent an old contract that had Hawaii on it and I got super pumped and I was texting the producer and I was like, oh my gosh, did it slip? Are we going to Hawaii? And she's like, oh, that's an old one. Sorry. Wait oh. another week. We'll let you know. So <laughs> really funny because you pack your bags. They let me know the day before my flight took off. And uh, oh, wow. So they that, just booked your flights and were like, show up to the airport. Yeah, they booked it all for me and got my itinerary and learned I was going to Myrtle Beach. How, I mean, what time of year is this? this when did you film? During the summer? Yeah, we filmed June, in June. So it was quite steamy there already. Um, good old summer in the, the dirty Myrtle. Oh man, I can't even imagine. I mean, just knowing what we brought to tournaments, you have everything. You have rain gear, snow gear. Even though like it's Florida in the winter, it's like still 40 degrees in the morning. So at least summer makes it a more of an even playing field. Yeah, and I mean, we had to submit clothing to the designers to make sure, I guess, we weren't wearing the same things or there was very specific, like you couldn't wear certain brands and just trying to keep it very cohesive throughout the whole cast. So we had to submit clothing options before we even knew where we were going. Um, so you had to bring lots of options. Did you get to choose your clothing once you actually were on the show or did they kind of decide the days for you? Uh, so we had stylists come help us, uh, especially for like the big shoot days when we shot the poster and some intros and things like that. They would kind of help guide us or help put together some outfits. Um, but it was all our own clothes. So we brought all our own clothes. Uh, I think they provided a couple of shirts for us, but uh, it was what we wanted to wear and what we were comfortable in, which was nice. That is nice. Yeah, nothing worse than like pulling down a shirt when you're trying to focus on a big money shot. <laughs> Exactly. As far as, you know, they kind of picked out all of our golf stuff for the big days and then like all of our personal interviews, we got to wear what we wanted. So, you know, we still got a little bit of that personal touch in there, which was nice. That's good. Good to know that they didn't just completely brainwash everyone and be like, you are wearing this every day. You will be wearing this exact hairstyle. It sounded like at least you had your own voice while you were on the show. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing, we did have hair and makeup. Uh, every night so like the interviews we would do you would show up at the end of the day and they'd put a lot of makeup on you and <laughs> that was a little different for me I'm not used to that but uh, it was nice to have someone do my hair every night <laughs> very calming just to brush it out for you yes 100 strokes <laughs> um, what else like what was a typical day of filming I remember when you told me I was shocked to hear something like you were up 17 hours or something ridiculous a day like and how quickly you shot the show even though the season goes on for weeks you actually shot it in way shorter of amount of time yeah so we were in Myrtle Beach for I think it was actually like 15 or 16 days uh, total once you got there you stayed there no matter what happened with the show but you had a day to shoot intros. Uh, you had a day to kind of do a little bit of golf, see the course a little bit. And then we pretty much went right into it. We filmed an episode a day. So each episode's comprised of three sections. So you'd usually have like an opening challenge with immunity. You'd have another challenge and then you'd have the elimination match for the third segment of the show. And uh, we filmed all three segments in, of each show a day. Uh, typically, if I remember correctly, I want to say we were 
at breakfast by like six or six thirty in the morning getting mic'd up and they'd film from breakfast all the way until the last shot on the golf course. Uh, you'd be out there all day doing that. You'd come back to the hotel uh, you would shower and go back to like kind of just a hangout room where we could eat dinner. And then you'd go into personal interviews for the rest of the night. And uh, one particularly long day was the very first episode we filmed um, was for the overall, I guess, immunity challenge. Um, it actually went pretty long because we went a few extra holes. And then I was actually a part of all of the challenges. So I had a lot more questions from my producer than some others. So I had a long day, the first one. It was probably close to 16 hours. Well, I can't imagine trying to do everything you can that your producer wants you to, but then also mentally prepare for the next day and knowing you're going to have to do it for two days straight. And they didn't really give you any off time. It was just go, go, go. Yeah. But I mean, the flip side of it, of it is you have so much adrenaline and just anticipation of what's coming that kind of just kept you going. Um, it, it was more exciting than anything to just be a part of the show and to like experience all of it. And another cool part was, I mean, it's just you and your castmates. They take away your phone. They take away a computer. I mean, you're in your own room. So you have your castmates and kind of the day's activities to, to look forward to. And you get to know each other really well and really quickly and uh, get to hit some really cool golf shots you normally wouldn't. Yeah, speaking of the legendary flop shot wall, I won't spoil any endings, but do you want to walk me through that challenge? Because I think that's one of the all-time fan favorites, and I know it's one of mine. Yeah, I, I think that's probably that one and the glass break are probably the two I get asked about the most. Mm -hmm. um, the flop wall was probably my favorite challenge of them all, though. I, it helps I hit some good shots. Um, <laughs> being humble over there you almost hold out your first one <laughs> well you know but uh just really cool so like each each challenge that you would walk up to you pretty much would get there you'd walk through it with the producers and the set design and the, the show's lawyer pretty much to make sure you understood every little bit of the game or of the challenge you'd sign some paperwork and then you'd kind of like talk about how it would play out aside from where you stand and, you know, how the game actually works. And so just so cool when you pull up and we didn't know what challenges were coming each day. It was total surprise. You would finally just pull up to a golf hole and you'd be like, Oh, there's a giant wall there. I guess we're going to probably either have to scale it or maybe hit a shot over it. So you never really know with big break, they tend to uh, mix it up season to season, but the flop wall and the glass break were pretty uh, standard in all of their seasons. And so we randomly drew names of who would go first. And uh, I went, I got lucky number one. So no pressure at all. Uh, no, no <laughs> one knew what to expect. So I think it actually helped me in the long run. I just got to get up there and hit it. And I have all, we always practiced flop shots when you know out and about practicing with your friends like oh I can hit it over that so it wasn't too far out of the norm but add about 15 cameras and 50 strangers you've never met and put a little bit of pressure on if you don't hit a good shot you get to go home mm -hmm. um it's a really strange mixture of emotions yeah plus you had people voting in the background betting if you get it actually in the circle or not 
I actually thought that was the hardest part of the whole challenge because I'm a terrible guesser. I hate gambling. I only like, I just want to go play golf and let everyone else figure out the gambling, like the strokes and where the money falls. But mm -hmm. actually having to pick for that challenge was like the hardest part for me. And I tried to go with the strategy is like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I like to see the good in everybody. I always like to expect someone's going to make the shot. So I was like, okay, uh, first couple here, I'm going to guess that they're going to make it. Mm -hmm. And then as the challenge kind of progressed, I was like, uh, I might need to uh, <laughs> rethink my strategy here. So I had a little bit of a lead, but it was starting to dwindle because you would get points based on if you could pick correctly, which would they get it in or would they miss? And so people were starting to catch up to me in points. And I was like, oh boy, like I need to start doing some math, which is another thing I don't like to do no, me neither. <laughs> and uh I think I finally got it figured out at the end thank goodness oh yeah you won it was amazing yeah. it was so cool to watch I remember just watching the show with you in Orlando watching those first like what four five six episodes and you were just absolutely dominating with Charlie like you were leading the pack and it, I was really sad when you got eliminated, but it was just so cool that not only did you get on the show, but you really like thrived on it. You won the flop shot challenge, which is just amazing and famous. And now you got that experience. Um, how did you feel when elimination came your way? I mean, it, it's such a unique situation where you have to hit just outstanding shots every single time. You know, when you're out playing in a tournament, you can hit a wayward shot here and there and make up for it or recover from it. So I might miss the fairway, but I can still make birdie. Whereas with big break, if you miss that fairway, you're probably going home. Like that's kind of how it played out. Everyone had so much talent and you just had to hit good shot after good shot. And you know, the day I got eliminated, it just, it wasn't the best of shots that I hit in the previous challenges. And then probably the second question I get the most is when I finally got eliminated, I had to pick between two people on the show. One of them was Charlie, who was probably one of the front runners, just a really solid player. I would, I would say he was probably one of the most qualified players there. I, it's hard to say. Everyone had so much skill, but he was playing the best at the time. It seemed he was the most solid. And then on the other side, I had Anthony, who kind of – sealed his own destiny in how he decided to portray himself on the show. That was truly him. There was no prompting there. That was just truly his personality. And as I said earlier, the, the casting crew knew what they were doing when they picked, picked all of us. But uh, I think that's the biggest question everyone gives me grief for is like, oh my gosh, how did you not pick Anthony? Like, oh my gosh, like, and I look back at it and I would have picked Charlie every single time. I want to beat the best. I want to, you know, play against someone who's humble. And uh, if I was going to beat him, I wanted to beat the best. So yeah. that's kind of how it all went down. It, it sucked to lose. I, <laughs> I mean, no one likes losing, right? It's right. no fun. But, you know, retrospect, looking back, I made it seven and 12 episodes in a mixed cast on a show that you didn't really know what was coming. So in the end, I won a little cash along the way. I made some friends, got this awesome experience that I would do again in a heartbeat. And, you know, it opened a lot of doors for me, which was pretty fantastic at the time. It, it really did give me a big break. That's great. Oh, using the tagline and I oh. love it. Marketing minds. So speaking yes. of these big breaks, 
where did it bring you afterwards? I mean, I kind of know how many opportunities are out there. And I was like, this is so cool. But how did you feel like it was able to kind of launch your career in a different way? Yeah, so it pretty much just got me the exposure. Uh, it got me into some pro-ams and it, it definitely just brought more name awareness, which made it easier for me to pursue and secure some sponsors. Um, it's so hard out there. There's so many talented players and we're all fighting for the same thing. And sometimes you just need a little assistance in getting there. Um, I was very, very fortunate right after the show aired, I was invited to play in a pro-am uh, actually in Baton Rouge where I was living at the time, my hometown. And um, I was just playing with a, a guy that was in charge of a local charity. Uh, they were looking to help out some people and we started talking, got to the last hole playing together and he'd been talking to me about big break all day. And, and obviously they were LSU fans being in Baton Rouge as well. So just kind of talking about those experiences. But at the very end, he was like, well, I can't believe no one's, you know, here supporting you. Like, what can we do to help? And so we got a little bit into budget and what I was trying to do and how I was going to make it work. And he's like, well, heck, we'll do it. And I was like, that was, anyone hear that? That was, really? <laughs> Please. Please. And thank you. Um, they ended up being a sponsor of mine for like four years. And I credit that to being on big break and kind of getting into that pro-am and really having that, that starting jumping point to talk and be like, yeah, go check it out. Like it was pretty cool. Um, so I think it opened a lot of doors in that aspect for me is just having that reference and having the credibility of saying, yeah, I did this and I did well. And this is my plan moving forward. At the time I was playing Symmetra tour, um, which, you know, as most people that have ever pursued professional golf or any bit of golf, uh, golf's expensive. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of help from big break went to not only the financial side of funding my golf, but it taught me so much about pressure and adrenaline and like, Comparatively, when you have four hours to hit golf shots compared to the one golf shot you get in big break, it was kind of a little bit of a pressure relief where it's like, it's okay. Like I just made it through big break. I just, I just hit it over the flop wall. I can do this. Or I just, you know, broke the glass in the fastest amount of time. I can, I can conquer this par five. Like I got this. So yeah. it, it gave me a lot of uh, positives on both sides of my game and backing my game to, to move forward with my career. How is playing in Morocco and then playing all around Europe? I think golf is just such a great vehicle to pursue other passions like traveling and immersing yourself in other cultures. So how was playing on the European tour? It was awesome. I absolutely loved it. So I had actually qualified for the tour that like November, December before I filmed a big break. And so I knew I was like so excited to play like as many tournaments as I could. Obviously American kids, like I want to go everywhere and anywhere. Um, and then I gained a little bit of that funding to help cover those costs to get over there. It was great. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, golf's so universal. You can really go anywhere in the world and put yourself on a golf course and you're going to be able to have something in common with someone is pretty darn cool. Um, 
I thought European tour school was a little more laid back, if I could say that, um, than maybe American Q school or LPGA Q school. Uh, LPGA is the top of the top and a lot of people come over and it's just cutthroat. And European tour school, I, I kind of went over on a whim. Um, I had just enough money in my bank account to book a flight to Morocco and pay for the entry fee. And I remember telling my dad after I had done it, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to go to Morocco and play in the LAT Q school and I'll be back in like a month. He's just jaw fell on the floor. Like, what are you doing? Excuse me. I went by myself. I flew over there. Um, it was easy. I mean, I made friends instantly. Other girls there to play and the LAT did a really good job of organizing everything. So I actually felt very, very safe. Um, felt like I had lots of guidance and then you kind of bond with people in similar situations. So we had a little tour guide group that we went and explored after golf and uh, the golf courses were great. I mean, they were hard and it's actually been really fun now that I watch a little more golf on TV, uh, especially early mornings. They show a lot of European events and it's like, oh man, I've, I've been there. I've played that. And it's kind of cool just to experience golf in different places like I said they have so many similarities and like I can go to someone from France or someone from Morocco and we talk about golf there might be a language barrier but like you can kind of experience the same things that's what I think is really cool about golf but the LAT was awesome it just let me kind of see more of the world and meet more people from around the world and that network just keeps growing I love that. That's such a good reason to love golf. <laughs> you are like basically leading all my questions. Again, it didn't even need to make a list. You're just come on. I know too many, too many cars <laughs> in the air and in the car together. I guess we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> You're still in the golf industry, obviously, and for the reasons you just stated. I mean, it's an amazing game. We're all still in the industry. We all still love it. What are you doing now? Yeah, so I think I would say I played tour golf for about six years, kind of bounced all over the world, literally. Um, so Symmetra Tour, LET, you stated we got to go to Australia together, which was amazing. And thank goodness you drove the whole time and we didn't die. Um. <laughs> well, we'll just leave that one. <laughs> but um yeah, so I played for six years. Unfortunately, kind of some injuries just plagued me for the last couple of years of playing and just it became to the point where it wasn't worth trying to figure it out to, to keep playing at, at that stage. So I um, actually just kind of fluke fell into a job here in Naples, Florida. Um, I was actually visiting you for a long portion of that. And my boyfriend actually was working in Naples. So you were in West Palm. I was coming over to Naples to visit him and a connection of a friend of a friend. I came in practice at the club that I now work at. I am now the first assistant professional at the quarry and uh, I pretty much am pursuing a teaching niche, I guess you could say. Working on my PGA certification and I've gotten a few other certifications and I've just really found a passion for teaching. Um, it's really, really cool to be able to help others kind of achieve their goals and see a different side of golf from where I can help them from my perspective. If like 
my playing ha can influence them in any way. Granted, we might be at different skill levels, but there's so many similarities in every level of golf that as long as you can really help someone see that it's a game and it's for fun, it's not that serious, but there's little things you can do to enjoy it a little more. That's kind of my teaching philosophy and my goal to just help more people get involved in the game. I love that. And I can see why your schedule is always full of lessons because that's exactly what you did to me. I mean, I was, I think it was even like my first half season when I met you in Alabama and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know anyone, but Tessa looks cool. I'm going to go ask if she wants to go to dinner. <laughs> Here we are several I, years later. I know. Oh my gosh. Time flies. And I don't know. You told me about all the tours. I had no idea about the LET tour or even Australia. Um, and even just along the way, you're just like Mama Tessa helping me <laughs> navigate the golf world, figure out key school. Even when I went to like LET key school, you sent me a Morocco guidebook that you used when you were there. And I was like, oh. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the awesome thing about the sport is you find good people and you find people you can connect with. And obviously you have the same passion and goals in life that you're tracking towards, you know, trying to be whatever on whatever tour or whatever that final destination for you is. But at that point in your life, you come together, you're working kind of in the similar path and uh, you just got to help each other. I mean, that's kind of how I think the world should be. I mean, I want to see you do well. I mean, granted, we'd go play against each other and I want you to do well. I still want to beat you, but I want you to do well. And I know the same thing from you. You want to beat me, but I know you want me to do well also. I mean, that's friendship and that's competitive friendship. I mean, mm -hmm. it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But like I had, I'm a few years older than you. Like I had someone kind of give me those tips that was like, you know, there's state opens to play in if you can't get on the Symmetra tour and there's this and try to get into pro-ams or, you know, the, the simplicity of sending a thank you note to someone or host families. What connections do you have? Do you know anyone where I can stay? <laughs> because that's so huge for us on tour when you know, money's tight and you're just trying to sometimes make it week to week. And all you really want to do is just go play good golf. If you have a friend that's in your corner that can take some of those pressures off, I mean, why not take, not advantage of it, but why not capitalize on that? Yeah, so. definitely makes the game more enjoyable. And I got to <laughs> ride around in your truck, which for those of you who have not seen it is like a golf paradise in one small vehicle that can just go everywhere. Thank you so much for being my first guest. You absolutely killed it. <laughs> I learned even more about Big Break behind the scenes. So I'm excited about that. I'm not a golf nerd or anything, but thank you so much for coming on.